is the Hardline Sports Talk with Michael Merlo and John Michael Masiri on the SND Podcast Channel. That's right. Here we go. Episode 71 of the Hardline Sports Talk. We are back. I'm Michael Merlo. I've got John Michael Masiri here. JM, how are you on this very nice August evening? I'm doing fantastic, Michael. Um, yeah, episode 71. That was my football number in high school, so... You know, a little nostalgic. Right. nostalgic. Exactly. It's good. This is my episode. This is I can't. Yours. I can't screw it up now. Yeah, you can't be bad. Yeah. Don't be bad. What are you wearing but, the blackout um, outfit right now? Yeah, I'm thinking about going to the blackout Friday night. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. See how I feel on Friday night. Mets Phillies. Okay. If you walk into the team store and you see a Dan Vogelback black jersey just staring at you in the face. How can you not purchase it? I don't you know, know if they'll the, have that available. You know the TikTok that you, you you did with the credit card and you're like, yeah, you know, you slap it on the, right. you slap the credit card on the concrete or whatever, and you ended up almost breaking your wrist. Well, yeah, that wasn't ideal. That, that would be me. Yeah. yeah, I would frisbee my car, my debit and credit cards at them. Cut off a City Field employee's head with that credit card. Unfortunately, they don't have Daniel Vogelback gear at City Field because they already checked. Poverty so, franchise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not even on Fanatics either. So we'll have to get to that. Um, we'll have to talk about that. We have a lot to get to today. I mean, the NFL is basically in full swing. It's August preseason football tonight. Uh, a lot of rumors flying around about other teams. We're going to talk about football in a little bit. We are going to start with baseball, though, because here in New York, baseball is um, it's the topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. A series just decided to go off. Yes, and both teams playing very well to start the season off. They were both in first place, and they're both still in first place, but one team is heading in – both teams are heading in two opposite directions as of late. So we are going to start with your New York Yankees, though, JM, and I'm going to give you the floor. Well, I mean, what is there to be said? They're 2-8 they're, they're and eight in their last 10. You had a horrible series over the weekend against St. Louis. Then you come out, go to Seattle – um, you know, you win one game, then Garrett Cole gives you the best start he's had in a while against the team that took him deep three times in one inning about a week ago. Uh, and you know, you, you take a nice lead, you blow the lead because Albert Abreu is in the game because service time needs to be manipulated or, or Albert Abreu is out of minor league options. So instead of DFAing him, we decide to send down Ron Marinaccio, who's been probably our most reliable reliever up to this date. Um, and for some reason he's in triple A. So we're basically, the Yankees are caring a lot more about the 40 man roster than the 26 man roster they have right now. And it's, it's biting them in the ass. And there's, uh, there's there just so many issues right now that need to be addressed. And I think that Cashman needs to be held accountable and other management needs to be held accountable, but, but mostly Brian Cashman um, in regards to why is, Clark Schmidt in AAA right now. Why is Ron Marinaccio in AAA right now? Why is Oswald Peraza? I, the whole minor league system is being clogged up right now. Anthony Volpe should be in AAA by this point. And Oswald Peraza, I mean, if you don't want to make him the everyday shortstop, fine. But he should be getting pretty consistent looks in the majors right now. Because unfortunately, we have a shortstop who is yet to hit a home run this season, which is historic. And Yankee says he's yet to he's yet to hit a home run, but apparently it's fine because he bats 270 and slaps singles and plays 
a slightly above average shortstop, but cons- uh, inconsistent shortstop. And for some reason, everybody just assumes he's this gold glover. But there are, I think it's pretty shameful the way that this roster has been handled from a team that is in a year where they should win the World Series. There's a lot going on here. There's a ton going on. So let's just start off by saying not to make excuses for the team and, you know, management. There's a lot of injuries. That's something you didn't mention. There are a few injuries right now. Rizzo didn't play last weekend against St. Louis. Uh, He had missed some time. Uh, You have Giancarlo out, which is a massive loss. You have guys out. There's no doubt about it. But you have a lineup still that has Aaron Judge in it, that has DJ LeMayu in it, who's had a huge season once again. He's bounced back in a big way. Glaber Torres, who has been struggling of late, still has had a pretty good season. And for a second baseman, for a middle infielder, he has close to 20 home runs. That's above average for that position. He should be stepping up. There are still guys on the team. Andrew Benatendi was traded for at the trade deadline. You should be able to score runs. You should be able to win those one nothing games against the Mariners, against the Cardinals. So there you have no excuse. But it's not surprising the team with these injuries has gone into a little bit of a funk. Right. I mean, listen, you knew you knew at some point they were going to hit a skid. I mean, what were the odds that they were going to go out and win 120 games, break the record? You know, that's all that we talked about basically in June because they were winning so many games. That's all you could talk about. You knew they were going hit to hit a skid. Did I think the skid was going to be this bad? No. But fortunately, they built a gap so big in this division that they're still 10 games up on the Blue Jays. Granted, the Blue Jays haven't really done about anything about it either. I mean, they've been playing pretty average or slightly above average baseball uh, and haven't been capitalizing on the way the Yankees have been playing. But you knew you were going to hit the skid. Like you said, injuries, Stanton, Rizzo, Severino. There, there's guys out that, you know, uh, the Mike King injury was a massive blow. Now Carpenter broke his foot. So... There's been a lot of injuries that they've had to deal with, but you know, every team deals with the injuries. It's just a matter of can this team turn it around soon? You know, I, I, we we don't want them to play like this in the playoffs obviously because if they do they have no chance. And also, the Astros just took a half game lead on you for the one seed in the AL. So, um I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm the Yankees about getting that first round by, I don't think any AL central team is going to threaten to have a better record than them. I mean, that division's a joke. Um, so if I'm them, I'm just more concerned about locking up the East, you know, staying ahead of the blue Jays. But like I said, they hit a skid. I can't, obviously I just have my complaints about the Yankees, right? Peraza's down. You got guys who should be on the major league roster that they're, they're giving other guys opportunities, whether it comes to they're out of options or service time manipulation for these guys in AAA. There are several moments every year, every day, basically where I feel embarrassed to be a Yankee fan because unfortunately, and I know several people very close to me who act this way, we have the most spoiled fan base in sports. Like, it's not it's not even close. So I'm a New York Jets fan, right? I watch this team. They haven't made the playoffs since I was in elementary school, okay? Just think about that. They haven't made the playoffs since elementary school. They consistently have guys get arrested. We draft the wrong people. Makai Becton, for you know, I'm not going to complain too much. I still like the state the Jets are in right now. I'm optimistic. But then again, we haven't even won any freaking football games. But 
whatever. I digress. The future looks good. You have just constant dysfunction over and over again. The fact that we have a, a freaking baseball, you root for a baseball team. I don't care how much money we have. You root for a baseball team that has not had a losing record since 1992, 30 years ago. There has not been a single day that I have been living on this earth where I looked back at my team season and said, that was a losing season. Never. We are consistently contending for at least the division, a playoff spot, the World Series, whatever you want to say. Sure. Have we not won a World Series in 13 years? Yeah. Is that a drought for the Yankees? Yes. Is that a drought for any other baseball team? No. We, I see just constantly people just bitching and bitching and bitching about everything about, oh, this is such a waste. Get Cashman out of here. We can't build it. We can't build a, a World Series contending team. We're a joke. We're the laughing stock, blah, blah, blah. Can you look around for a second about Two months ago, not even a month ago, you wanted to say, this is an amazing team. You know, we're, we're this is our best shot at the World Series. Now we hit a little skid. All of a sudden, it's, we're a joke. We're not beating the Astros. We don't have the team to do it. I hate being a Yankees fan. It's just disappointment year after year. Yeah. Is it annoying that we lose and come up short a lot recently? Yeah. But can you, like, take a second, step back, and be like, okay, I have a team that has a shot at it every single year. I'm watching relevant baseball. People are checked out to their baseball teams in May, in June, worried about what guy they're going to draft in fantasy football or how their football team is going to do. They can't wait for training camp because that's all they have to look forward to because their baseball team is horrible. You are consistently watching your team be amazing year after year. And if guess what? If the Yankees go on a 10-game winning streak, and we come back here in two weeks, those same people I'm talking about are going to be ecstatic and just forget about everything. How so that... can you stop in your little fantasy world and, and being so freaking oblivious and look around for a second and be like, hmm, this is pretty cool. Let's see what happens. Let's be optimistic. But no, I get called a Yankees apologist because <laughs> – I like to defend Brian Cashman, you know, a guy who has who took a team in 20, 2016 that traded Carlos Beltran, James McCann, Andrew Miller, so on and so forth, that looked like it was about to head into a rebuild, and the next year took them to the ALCS. To Game 7 with the Houston Astros, who are a cheating team and have been close to a dynasty, if they had one more... World Series in the past five years, you'd call them a dynasty. But get rid of Cashman. We suck. We're we're a horrible organization. This and that. I can't I can't deal with them anymore. It's 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 actually it's laughable. It's ungrateful. It's selfish. It's it's just it's ridiculous. How does that feel? Feel good? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yankee fans are spoiled. You're 100% correct. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to what you said in the beginning. There is an expectation with the New York Yankees that I think everybody, not only Yankee fans, but everybody around the league expects the Yankees to be the best. Now, the father, George Steinbrenner, set an example of, well, we're going to spend money and we're going to spend all the money and we're going to, you know, nobody's going to get the best players. We're going to get the best players. And 
George is no longer here. He doesn't run the team. And Hal does not run the team the same way. And you could say it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. There's luxury taxes. There's penalties. But this is my one complaint right now with the New York Yankees, with Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, whoever you want to blame. The trade, and you brought up IKF before, the trade to grab IKF and Josh Donaldson. I don't care what you gave up. You gave up Gio Rochelle. You gave up Gary Sanchez, whatever. I'm not losing sleep over that. The problem is you brought on $25 million for the next two seasons of Josh Donaldson, who sure plays a good third base. I don't really care about that right now. Has not hit. Has been a massive disappointment for this team. And IKF, as you mentioned, cannot really be in the lineup anymore at this point. And shortstop is very underwhelming considering we thought he was going to come here and and be a gold glove caliber shortstop. Hasn't been that been better than what you've had in the past, but hasn't been that the problem. My problem is you could have spent that money on Donaldson on a free agent that could have helped this team instead of IKF and Josh Donaldson. True. True. Um, Well, the only defense I would have to that is just to say that trade with, you know, Donaldson and IKF that it did also set up the Trevino trade, which has been, Fantastic. Although, you know, if Rortvet doesn't get hurt, I don't know if Trevino's Trevino's on this team, but you know, let's let's not talk hypotheticals. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess technically speaking, you're right with the Donaldson money. I mean, it, it would be hard to find a free agent that's gonna sign a let's just say a two year fifty million dollar deal, like what Donaldson's set to make or you know, in these next two seasons. Um so yeah, that 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 hasn't been Cashman's greatest move, but also you know Gary Sanchez has been pretty terrible this year. I, I understand they didn't really upgrade the team, but they also didn't really downgrade from that trade. Um, added, I think you added unnecessary money. True, true. The thing I will say that is, is it doesn't relate to the IKF trade at all, but you brought it up with the George Steinbrenner stuff. That's one more point that I didn't address. Okay. Everybody wants to say the, oh, but if the boss was here, blah, 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 blah. How did George Steinbrenner's career go? In the beginning, they were booing him out of the stadium, basically begging for him to sell the team, right? They thought he was horrible. Then he brings Gene Michael along. Merlo, when when, when we talk about the Yankees dynasty from the late 90s, right? Even into the 2000s, whatever. When they won all those championships in the late 90s. What is the first thing you think of in terms of players? You think of Mariano Rivera, Jeter, Posada. You think of the core four. The core okay? four, yes. You think of the core four. Did we? Did Derek Jeter come to the Yankees after having six great seasons with the Minnesota <laughs> Twins, and then we were like, here's 10 years, $200 million, Derek? No. All these guys were developed through the Yankees farm, homegrown players, that we did not spend our money on. It was through good player development, good scouting, etc. So right. I understand that, yes, those Yankees teams, it wasn't just them. Like, then you spent the money elsewhere, added guys on to join these core players that you already had, and that's how you get a really good baseball team. Why do you think the Los Angeles Dodgers have been so freaking good lately? Because they keep pumping out these superstars that come out of their farm system, and then they trade some of these guys in their farm for these fantastic players. They sign players. It's a good mixture, which is what the Yankees have done over the past couple of years. But some of these guys that they brought up haven't really panned out. Gary Sanchez, you know, Clint Frazier, guys like that. Obviously, Judge has been you know, otherworldly. The Yankees have the third highest payroll in baseball. 
Right. This whole like stigma that Hal Steinbrenner is cheap to me is like BS. I have been frustrated with Hal before. And this is why like I get called an apologist. I'm not saying that everything is perfect that the Yankees do. Not at all. I'm saying it's people, it has to be one extreme or the other. It's, I just think it's in the middle, right? Yeah, they should probably spend a little bit more money. But if the Yankees go out this past offseason, sign Corey Seager, right? Would they really have the financial flexibility this offseason to give Judge $40 million, whatever he wants? Oh, but if the boss was around, the Yankees, you know, we have a $500 million payroll, apparently. We just be- no, and you you probably wouldn't. You probably would not have a five hundred million dollar payroll. You probably wouldn't have a three hundred million dollar payroll, and it would be inconsistent. It would fluctuate from year to year. Right, and I don't like if he was around. Right, why don't we act like they would just sign some guy to a ten year three hundred million dollar? Let's say they signed Corey Seager ten years three twenty five. Right, what if Corey Seager sucks? And then you have a a horrible shortstop for ten years. What would George Steinbrenner do? Would he sign? Would he sign Trey Turner to a ten year deal? And <laughs> and now now Corey Seager's a bench bat making thirty two million dollars a year for ten years. Give me a break. I can't. I re- I can't. I can't take it. So you're saying you don't miss the boss? I, I would. I would say I don't. You know, I don't even know the boss. I think he died like way before I was a twenty ten. You know, it's. You know, it's funny, right when Scherzer, I, for whatever reason, I vividly remember this. When Scherzer signed in, I think it was 15, he signed over there with uh, D.C., with Washington. And I remember vividly, people said, oh, if the boss was alive, Scherzer would have never signed there. He would have been, he would have been a Yankee. I, I vividly remember that for whatever reason. But you're right. It's not smart to stay over the luxury tax. They probably wouldn't be over the luxury tax because Brian Cashman, his general manager, or whoever his general manager would be, would say, George, you can't go over the luxury tax every single year. It is not the smart baseball decision. Yep. People think Steve Cohen's going to go over the luxury tax for the rest of, of his life. Mm-hmm. No, in, in 2024, the Mets will be under the luxury tax. I'll bet a lot of money on that. Yep. So, whatever. You're 100% right. Now, let's talk about this team legitimately right now because, to me, they don't have an, an identity right now. If no. you told me this team was to lose in the divisional round, I would have said, okay, you're not surprised. Or if you tell me this team gets fully healthy and things start clicking the right way and you told me they win the World Series, I wouldn't be surprised. There's no middle ground. I'm very confused. Now, there's one mat- two big problems to me. Number one is Clay Holmes. For about a month now, he has not been good over his last nine and two-thirds it has uh, actually that might have gone up a little bit, maybe ten and two thirds. Has not been a good pitcher. No. He just hasn't. He's been shaky. He has not had the same control he's had for the first three months of the season, where he looked like one of the better relievers in baseball, top three closer at at the time, the best closer in baseball. That's number one because you don't. Who's your number two? Who's the guy you go to now? Who's the Clay Holmes when Chapman was struggling? You don't have that, that guy. Do you go back to Chapman? Do you trust Wendy Peralta in that situation? Does Loisica start to step up a little bit? That guy isn't here right now. And my other issue is with the starting pitching. Now, Cole is a different story. You could save that for a minute. I still think as shaky as he's been, I may not trust him in game seven of the ALCS, but he's there and he's your ace. And I think you just have to deal with it. But the other guys, Cortez, who's looked, he's looked a little bit more consistent lately. 
but Montez's first start was terrible, and I'm not going to judge him off of one start. But right, Montez he's coming off the injury, his first start right. back, you know, that's plus the the personal leave he had. Exactly, we're not going to get on him about that. But I mean, you're right, especially especially in terms of the bullpen. Um, I mean, what defense are we going to give to for it to get better? I, I, besides, you know, of these guys are going to be better like clay holmes and marinaccio well not marinaccio clay holmes and loisaga and chapman you know i'm not going to sit here and say well we're getting zach Britton back like no you can't rely on zach Britton and no i i think part of it is just the parody of being a reliever i mean we we know about it we made a top 10 relievers list this past offseason i'm sure next year the list will have two of the same guys on it and eight new guys that's just what happens but um yeah it is a concern right now i mean if Clay Holmes continues to, you know, spiral down, which I don't think he will, I don't know if he'll get back to, you know, 30 straight scoreless innings or whatever, but I think he could, you know, definitely get back to his, you trust this guy in the ninth inning type status. Um, but besides him back there, you know, you just got F Ross. He's, he's, you know, a nice reliever. Um, Wandy Peralta, he's been good. You know, hasn't come, has had some hiccups, gave up the walk off to the Mets at City Field. Um, and then Loisaga, he's really got to find his stuff. You want to talk about a guy who should probably be in AAA instead of Marinaccio? Jonathan Loisaga, let him find his stuff back, bring him back in September, whenever you got to bring him back up. But let's get this guy right because with the approach they're taking right now, where they're kind of in cruise control and first place in this division. Why don't you go send him down and let him figure his stuff out because you don't need him right away right now. Let's bring up guys who right. can make a better impact right now. Let Loisio return to his dominant form, hopefully, and then bring him back up when he's ready. Because I know he has an option left. And, and you mentioned it before, actually, um, just to go back about the division. The Toronto Blue Jays had a chance to get back in this division, and, and they did not. No. I mean, over the last, I think it's 45, 46 games. I think the Yankees are 22 and 24. And they're playing under 500 baseball for close to a month and a half. About about a month and a half. Yeah. The Blue Jays had an opportunity to get back in this thing, and they did not. And obviously other teams, I mean, a couple of the teams fell out of it. The Orioles, which we'll get to in a little bit. But that's something that the Yankees should be grateful for. I I haven't thought they were going to get the one seed for about a month and a half now, so this isn't shocking to me. I don't think they will. The Astros just play in an easier division right now. I think they're the better team. I think they've been the better team. So I don't. That's no surprise to me. But the division's locked up, and you obviously have that that two seed locked up, so you avoid that wild card round, the three game series. But I think Yankee fans are kind of close to hitting that panic button, if not hit that panic button oh, already. Wow, have. AirPod fell out. Mm. And I don't know if I'm there. I'm, I don't know if I'm there just yet. One thing I actually have a massive problem with, and I, I really, I just, I thought about it today too, after I watched them lose to the, the Mariners Wednesday afternoon. You still cannot, to me, defend the Harrison Bader trade for I'm so confused by it. I'm so, so confused by it. I don't why not? I I, I understand it. I you actually Addison Bader, I like Harrison Bader. I like him. Like he kills the Mets. I think he's a great player. I think I, I understand his qualities. He's one of the fastest guys in baseball. He's one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. I understand his qualities, but for a team 
that, yes, again, had a division locked up per se at the trade deadline for a guy to now try and come back from plantar fasciitis in September to try and get in the swing of things to help in a postseason run when you already have pretty much a crowded outfield. That didn't make too much yeah, but sense to I mean, trade a starting pitcher. But a guy in your rotation. I understand what you're saying. I understand. There's, there's, you know, it is risky to get a guy, like you said, coming off an injury like that. But when you look at this team from a postseason standpoint, all we talk about is, you know, is this team built to win in the postseason? And can they make it all the way with this roster? Because we know the postseason is a completely different game. The Yankees have been one of the best, if not the best, defensive teams in baseball this year. But the one thing that they've been right. missing especially is a very good defensive center fielder. And like you said, he's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. He's going to be a starter in the playoffs at center field. Maybe he'll be a late substitution. If his bat isn't great, you know, he'll get pinch hit for, but you put him in center field versus Jordan Montgomery, who probably is not going, was not going to be in the postseason rotation. Um, If, a, if you have a healthy Severino, I think, they probably would have chose him over Tyone, but with a healthy Severino, you know, you got four guys in Cole, Cortez, Severino, and Montes. So right. just from a standpoint of what would you rather have on a postseason roster, I'm choosing Harrison Bader over Jordan Montgomery. The only thing and I will say sense. is Clark Schmidt just struck out 11 guys in five innings in AAA today. But he's not in our starting rotation, and the guy who, you know, model citizen, Mr. Domestic Abuse, uh, Domingo Herman, is our five starter who just hangs curveballs for a living. But that's a whole other topic. Right. The one thing I will say, and I, I, I understand I understand what you're saying, but you and Severino on the shelf, and even that, he's been he's been hurt so much the past few years. First of all, they they think he's going to come back, and that's fine. Can you really trust he's going to come back and be the same guy that he was? He was slightly inconsistent coming back from a big injury. That's number one. Number two, you can't predict injuries. So you're getting rid of some starting pitching depth, which I don't like. And, again, I understand if if you have your full guys healthy, ready to go, Montgomery's out of the rotation. Tyone's out of the rotation. I understand that, but you can't predict what's going to happen. So I it just was very confusing. And listen, if they would have made that trade and they traded a prospect, totally. Harris, again, Harrison Bader is, fills what you're saying in center field and adds another element, you know, on the base paths. I get that, but not to trade a guy from the major. League right. Roster. But now, but now just think of the, the, the domino effect that it creates, right? If they hold on to Montgomery, your your game one lineup, Aaron Hicks has been horrible again. He hasn't had an extra base hit in a month, okay? 0 for yes. 32 streak he just snapped the other day. Your starting lineup, you're going to put Ben Benintendi in left, uh, Judge in center, and Stanton in right. Matt Carpenter just broke his foot. We don't know if he's going to be back. But let's say Matt Carpenter's even back. You now, defensively, have a downgrade in right field going from Stan- from Judge to Stanton. Right? Stanton, when it comes to his glove, is not a hard, you know, he's got a good arm. He's, he's, he's athletic, right? He can make his catches, but he's, you know, the range in the outfield is horrible. He's one of the slowest outfielders in baseball. 
So that's a downgrade defensively and right. Then you move to center. Now you have Judge in center. Good defensive center fielder, but better defensively and right. So now you're downgrading in two positions in the outfield versus upgrading with Bader in center, and now you're putting Judge back to right. You have three gold glove caliber fielders across the outfield. So versus having a downgrade defensively just for a guy who probably won't even be in the playoff rotation. So I understood it. And listen, I don't know if the Yankees were covering up the whole Jorge Lopez, uh, Pablo Lopez situation. No way. No way. Um, In the terms of GM saying, is you know, not... they, they just missed out on him. They backed out last minute at the Marlins, and that Brian Cashman said, oh, we were going to make the trade anyways for Bader. I don't know if the Bader trade was setting up that trade. It kind of seemed like it. A general manager never does that. A general manager never... If that that could be a fireable offense, right? Exactly. So right. I, don't, I don't think I Brian Cashman, thirty years of experience or whatever he's got, would do something like that. Right. No, no chance at all that happened. Um, we're gonna have a Zoom conflict in a minute, so we'll just keep talking through everything. Uh, the Yankees have a series against the Boston Red Sox coming up at Fenway Park, so we'll see what happens. The, the tides have got. To- got to turn right i mean you gotta you gotta think that two out of three at the, least this weekend come on law of averages will say okay you know what let's this team's got to get back on 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 track unless they're playing at such an historic pace it was going to be really difficult to continue that i've seen now from a bunch of people and I've, I've actually noticed this too when you look at the schedule they're playing a lot of easy, and I'm not like this in baseball, but they're playing a lot of easier teams. The schedule got more difficult. They were playing legit teams. Now they're on this stretch of 22 and 24 in the last 46. So we're going to see what happens. The rest of this still 50 games left. There's still a third of the season left, so basically. So we're going to see what happens with this team. All right, let's head over to the other side of town. Um, where things look a little more bright, and that's the New York Mets. Um, they are on a crazy stretch right now since the All-Star break. I mean, they've won 15 of their last 17. I remember they lost the first two games coming out of the break. They didn't score any runs and against the Padres. Lost the first two games of the series to the Padres, scored maybe three runs in total in two games. And since then, they're 15-2. and 15-2 with Daniel Vogel back on the squad. That's what Dan Vogelback will do to your team. He's a he is a big time game changer. In all seriousness, you know we weren't here uh, for the trade deadline, but Billy Epler was criticized for his moves, lack of moves, I should say, and I'll still criticize him for what he did with the bullpen. But the guys that he's brought in to fill in the DH slash platoon roles, Tywin Aquin, Dar- Darren Ruff, and Obviously, Daniel Vogelback has done a fantastic job, and I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, but I'm not going back in time. We're going to talk about this team right now. They, last weekend, go four out of five against the Braves, and it was a massive series, and it felt big. The stadium was packed every night. The way both managers managed the games felt big, and the Mets did something they don't really do. They don't beat the Braves the last four seasons, if really forever. They don't beat the Braves, but for the last four seasons of the, as the Braves have reigned over this division, the Mets said, no, no, this isn't going to happen this time. And they beat down on them. Aside from two innings out of five games, 
The Mets dominated this series. Yeah, you're right. It's a big, big statement that the Mets made. Um, and yeah, you, you're a hundred percent right. I think Billy Epler did a good job in terms of the DH, you know, it makes all these moves made sense. Um, because Vogelback is a great hitter against righties and terrible against lefties. And then you have the opposite with Darren Ruff, you know, great against lefties, bad against righties. So it's a nice platoon that he's got going there and it's worked out so far. Um, now obviously there are still concerns and, you know, every winning, winning gets rid of everything. Obviously all negativity goes away when you're winning ball games, but it's all about building a team for the postseason. So let's hope that the, the Mets bullpen holds up. I mean, they, you know, they didn't completely leave the bullpen alone. They did get Michael Givens. Um, but Diaz has been exactly what you hoped he would be when you traded for him a couple of years ago. Um, he's, he's having a historic season for the Mets right now. I mean, I texted you the other day. I think at this point, I think he deserves Cy Young consideration. Uh, no joke. I mean, the guy's striking out over 50% of the batters that he faces. He's an automatic out, uh, or he's an automatic save every time he comes into the game. Um, he should get, you know, plus one war just for his walkout song alone. That is now finally really catching steam nationally and rightfully so. I mean, I was at the game two months ago, obviously not a Met fan took my phone out. As soon as Edwin started walking out of the dugout, just because how can you not stand and dance to that song and, and love every second of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the bullpen is a concern behind him. Who are the, what, what is, who are the guys that are going to be coming in before him? Adam Adovino has been good for the Mets, but you don't really, it's hard to address the bullpens. We just talked about the Yankees. You don't really ever feel super comfortable with your bullpen. Just because, like I said, it's the nature of relievers, right? You have guys, like I said, that will have these years. They'll be on our top 10 list, and then the next year they'll be in AAA or they won't be anywhere close to our list. So that's just the way it goes with relief pitchers. That's why it's so hard and so valuable to find those guys that are consistently great year after year. Um, but I think the Mets are a force to be reckoned with. I mean, you look at them in a, how could you not think it? You look at them in a four game series or five game series, right? Let's say NLDS. You're going to go out and you're going to face DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, and then DeGrom and Scherzer again, or maybe a fourth starter. They'll put Walker out there. They'll put Carrasco out there, whoever. Jacob DeGrom is, when he's on the field, untouchable. I mean, somebody gets a two-run home run off of him, and you're like, wow, that's incredible. How did somebody hit a two-run home run off of him? And that's it. The guy does not ex- implode. He doesn't go out and give up six runs in a game. He just doesn't do it. And how? And it makes sense because, like, how the hell could he? He's throwing 102, which definitely hitters – you you look around at interviews, people say, what's it like to face Jacob DeGrom? They say that ball is not 102 miles an hour. That ball is like 110. The thing just <laughs> it it just it just jumps right. The spin it just sneaks up on you, and it looks even faster than it is. And then you add in he's throwing ninety four mile an hour sliders. He doesn't even need the freaking curveball. He rarely throws it. He doesn't throw the curveball. Yeah, he throw he actually throws it as a joke because Scherzer wants him to throw more curveball, so he'll start somebody off as a joke with a first pitch curveball because right. Scherzer has been doing it. But I want to get to Degrom in a second. The bullpen, the one thing that I do feel a little bit better about is, first off, and I'm not counting on this, 
Tyler Miguel is coming back in, I'd say, another month, and he's not even going to be stretched out as a starter. They're throwing him right into the bullpen. Right. He doesn't uh, need David to be Peterson. Out as a right. David Peterson's their sixth man right now. Eventually, if they get to the postseason with a fully healthy rotation, he'll be in the bullpen. One of Walker or Carrasco is going to the bullpen. They just got Trevor May back from injury. They thought his struggles earlier in the season were due to his injury. It kind of looks that way. So, and Lugo has been pitching a little bit better. So if you get these guys going a little bit, you have these starters coming into the bullpen, you feel slightly better about it. I'm not 100% confident. I'll never be 100% confident when it comes to a bullpen when the New York Mets, but we'll we'll deal with it right now. Now let's go to Jacob DeGrom. Because, you know, we talked about Judge so much and his contract and what he's going to get and where he's going to go or the Yankees going to pony up, and I believe they will. And I think I said this to you. I said, we're not talking about DeGrom enough. And yes, DeGrom, granted, wasn't playing. But now he's back and now he's pitching. And we're going to have to start talking about him and his free agency. What's going to happen with him? Because he's going to obviously he's going to opt out of his contract after this season. And he's going to be a free agent. He's going to want more money than Max Scherzer per year. And he's going to get it. Who's going to give it to him? Is it going to be the Mets? Do you do that if you're the Mets? Can you trust him? Because... You obviously see, I think, I don't know if this is crazy. I think he's the best pitcher I've ever seen in my own two eyes. The most dominant, best pitcher I've, I've ever seen in my own two eyes. Honestly, I didn't get I, to see Pedro. I don't know if I could argue with that. I really don't. What's his ERA the past, like, four years? Sub two? Yes, I'll give it to you in a minute, but I'm almost positive. I mean, he's I, he's he's... A reliever, a flame-throwing reliever that's going to give you seven innings. You hope. <laughs> I mean, when he's healthy, that's what that's what he is. We'll go since 2018, okay? And if you combine 2020 and 2021, you get one season. So it's about three seasons, okay? Just, um, I love when baseball reference works. So we'll do it like this. So in 2018, he had a 1.70 ERA, won the Cy Young. 2019, 2.43 Cy Young. 2020, 2.38. That was one. It was like it was like 1.5. He had a bad. He actually had a bad start at the end of it. 2.38, and then obviously 2021, 1.08. Yeah, untouchable. I think yeah, I, I I stand by that, and it, it was it was it was amazing. You, I actually sit there though. On Sunday, when he's pitching against the Braves, and I'm like very nervous. He's throwing so hard. It's like, please don't hurt yourself. Wrap him in bubble wrap, right? You know, for all I care. But he's got he's got to get stretched out. I mean, the the walk and then the home run to Swanson was it was clear he tired out and he he obviously hadn't thrown that many pitches. He hadn't right. been in the sixth inning like that in in a year in a year over a year. Well, it was clear he was tired. If I'm the Mets. Obviously, this guy has been with your team his whole career. He's, you know, a fan favorite. He's an all-timer. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. You know, he'll go in as a Met, whatever. It's almost like, I've, you know, I've talked about this on the show before where, you know, things are going so good sometimes in life that you're just waiting for that piano to come crashing down on your head. It's It's almost... It's almost too good to be true when it comes to him because of how dominant he is and how it doesn't make any sense how a starting pitcher could throw that hard with that kind of frame and be that dominant consistently where 
yes, you want to keep him. I don't want to. I don't even know if you could say I don't want to jinx him. I don't know if I want to make these comparisons and get crazy, but it has the potential to go Chris Sale if he gets a big contract after this season with whatever team. Just because he's a he's a skinny guy, you know he's not if he's not a toothpick like Sale is. I think he's a little bigger than Sale, but still a very skinny guy um, that already has shown injury history and injury problems over the last couple of years has had setbacks in his rehabs and and everything like that. And I don't know if you can trust to give this guy, let's say, uh, how old is he? Like 32? 34. He's 34, really? Yes, he's 34. He just turned 34 50 days ago. He's 34 years old. Are you really going to give a 34-year-old with that kind of injury history who's most likely not going to be throwing 102 miles an hour five years from now, you really going to give him a five-year, $200 million contract? I don't know. Oh, I don't think I don't think anybody's doing that. I don't I don't even think the Mets are doing that. 40 million and five years? I don't think that's crazy. I think he'll get that. I if think Scherzer, he's... If Scherzer at age 37, 38 could get three years... Oh, north of forty million, whatever he got, I think Jacob Degrom could get five years, two hundred million. There's a big difference, though. There's a big difference. I think any smart organization will say to themselves, "Let's say Jake pitches the rest of the season, no problems, goes into the postseason, pitches, you know, well." The last time, the only time he was in the postseason, I mean, he was unfreaking believable in 2015. People forget about that, but either way. Let's say he does that and he's up for the big contract. I don't think a team goes more than three seasons, and I don't think you can. Any smart team, you cannot. I would go at three. If I was the Mets, I'd go three years at $45 million a year and opt out. Same thing as Scherzer. Opt out after the second so he can go at 36 and get another one of these contracts. That's the way I believe it'll go. I'd be shocked. It, it depends. If it was what, more than three years. It depends on his part what decision he makes. But I'm just telling you, the there will be an offer on the table of five years around 200 million. A team that is in desperate need of an ace that is you know a, a contender or you know a, a wild card contender, whatever, a relevant team that really needs an ace and sees how once in a generation this guy is. They'll be like, all right, we'll one up, you know, the Mets and give him an extra year, an extra two years, whatever he wants, just from how how great he is. And yeah, I don't know if is, he'll end up signing that deal, but it'll be on the table. Here's the thing. I don't know what his intentions are. I don't know what he wants. We've heard the rumors he may not want to be in New York. I don't know. And by the way, with, with the reception that he got – in his first start on Sunday back at City Field. How could you not want to be here? But that's a discussion for a different day. Well, I don't if he if he does this and he goes on this great run the rest of the way, whether they win the World Series or not, he's Jacob deGrom. I don't think there's any way Cohen lets him out. I, I, I can't see it happen. But I don't know. Uh before we switch it off to another team. Francisco Lindor got bullied, battered by the media, by fans. And I think that 
everybody needs to start praising him like the guy he was in Cleveland because he's been that way for this team this year. You can make an argument he's their MVP. I mean, you can make a lot of arguments for a lot of MVPs on this team, which I like. I love that about that, about this team. But you can make an argument for him as well. He's been unbelievable driving and runs, scoring runs, playing fantastic defense, hitting for power. He's already at 20 home runs with 50 games to go. He's tied um, Jose Reyes for the most RBIs by a shortstop. And by the way, we always talk about RBIs not meaning something. They mean something. Like, it's not a valued stat. And I understand, because if you have a player (laughs) that's on the floor completely on the floor, I didn't even stop it. I thought you called it. I was going to say nice (laughs) catch. If you have a player that just like Juan Soto, if Juan Soto had a fantastic year, he had a thousand OPS and he had 90 RBIs. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. Or 80 RBIs. I understand that his team sucks, but if you have a player that is on a good team and is consistently driving and runs, that should have value. So yeah, it's, I guess it's a double standard, but if you like Pete Alonzo and Aaron judge, they have a ton of RBIs. That should mean something. You should talk about that and like be proud of that, that you're, player has that many RBIs. Francisco Lindor is a shortstop. 81 RBIs. Trey Turner has 81 RBIs too. That's impressive. Especially right, and, with 50 games to go. You make sense because, you know, we'll we'll hear complaints all the time about oh, this team can't hit in runners with runners in scoring position or this guy can't hit with runners in scoring position. So, a guy who, you know, let's say you have two guys identical slash lines, you know, 250, 330 and 430, right? 760 OPS, pretty average, yeah. slightly above average hitter, whatever. The one guy that has 100 RBI versus the other guy that has 80 RBI because the guy with 100 RBI is batting 320 with runs in scoring position, and the other guy with 80 is batting 250 with runs in scoring position. You know, the more valuable guy is the guy with the 100 RBI because he's producing more runs for your team, even though yeah. they both have identical slash lines. And, you know, the guy with the less RBI is doing better with nobody on base. And, you know, maybe, you know, you could say, well, he's setting himself up for his teammates. But I'd rather take the guy who's, I know, in a big spot going to come up and going to get that run. Because this is why analytics get a bad rep. A bad rep. And this is what I was about. I'm going to relate this back to what I said before, where everything needs to be so one to one side or the other, where we can't just have a balance. You can look at analytics as a tool, right? We always say a tool, not a Bible. Look at analytics as a tool and be like, yeah, this guy, you know, his standard numbers don't show you the type of player he is. But just because a guy is good analytically, it doesn't mean that you have to believe that there's no such thing as clutch. There's no such thing as as heating up or being cold or whatever. Like these guys are human beings with emotions. Anybody who's played a sport, knows that there's certain guys that you've played with that in a big spot, you know, they're not going to come up because they, whatever, they're nervous or they, it's just not in them. Right. They don't have that dog. We always joke around, you know, that dog in you, but it's a real thing. So, you know, I I think you take everything with a grain of salt and, you know, you incorporate the eye test, you incorporate everything and let's stop uh, completely trying to kill the human element of the game. It's, it's all about a nice little mixture. I completely agree completely agree hey, maybe somebody's not feeling well that day they're still playing they're out there and it's uh right doesn't go their way right all right spent a lot of time in baseball very quickly Juan Soto obviously is a padre and um I find it to be very funny that even though they have this great team 
and Tatis isn't back yet, sure. I find it absolutely hysterical that the Padres go to Chavez Ravine and still get owned by their father, yeah. the Los Angeles Dodgers. It, it's, it's actually hysterical. It is. It is. It's like, um, like, remember when we were in high school with Oceanside that, like, everybody wants it just to be, and they had success against us, but, like, they just wanted to be our rival, like, so desperately because yep. they just didn't have a rival. It's like that. It's like you you want to be the Dodgers rival so bad that you'll hype it up and talk all this crap, but every time you just get the the, the crap beat out, beat out of you. So like the, the expectations get so big. It's like, oh, my God, you know, look at us. and Exactly. Like, know. good for the Padres. That's another thing. A.J. Preller, right, he's, he's getting all these big-name guys. I still don't really think he's the greatest GM. I'm just gonna say that. I I I don't I, I think he's he's too aggressive. I think that people have looked over some of the horrible things that he's the horrible choices he's made. Yep. Uh like Eric Hosmer and you know, getting Austin Nola for Ty France and Andres Munoz, who have both been very productive players for the Mariners. Wow, um, that was a trade. Yeah. Uh, holy crap. Getting Will Myers has not panned out. Um, so Justin Upton before then, Craig Kimroll. Right. I don't know. Has he, was he around? I don't, how long has he even been their GM? I think that was him. I'm almost positive that was him. Those were like his first couple of moves. AJ Prowler. Uh, I'll look up Justin Upton. When did he get the job? AJ Prowler was promoted to his current position of president of baseball operations and general manager in February 2021. Yeah, that's not right, though. No, he originally joined. Right. He was GM in 2014. Oh, yeah. First move, 2015. San Diego Padre, Justin Upton. They ended up trading him that offseason, or he left that offseason. They got him from Atlanta. That's right. Remember that. What else? Kimbrough, I think, was that year as well. I guess whenever I think of this guy, whenever I think of Preller, it's being super aggressive. And listen, good for him that he's able to accumulate all these prospects. I mean, they've had a great farm system for years now, for years. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, I mean, we don't know how the trade is going to go. A lot of people believe that the Nationals got fair value back when it comes to great young talent. But is it worth it? Like, is it this season? Is it next season? Like when I don't understand it. And, and also I don't think their starting rotation is good enough at this moment to even have a chance to compete with the Dodgers or even the Mets. I, I, I don't think the starting pitching matches up there. I think it's pretty clear that in the NL, the Mets and the Dodgers are, I mean, obviously, you know, baseball works in weird ways, but I, I would bet a substantial amount of money that they face each other in the NLCS at this point. Right. Now things can change. Like I said, you know, the Mets, we could be a month from now talking about the Yankees are playing their best baseball and the Mets are in the Yankee spot. They're two and eight in their last 10. But right. I just think when you look at it from a roster standpoint and how the season has gone, I think the Dodgers are clearly going to end up being the one seed in the NL. And I think the Mets are their biggest threat. Right. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. I mean, even you've got the Phillies in a playoff spot right now. They're playing very well. They're coming to New York for a weekend series. That should be interesting. You know, Atlanta, 
I think Atlanta's going to stick around. You know, I mean, the Mets have a big four-game set against them, but they're a threat. Like, they are a threat in the National League as well. If they get hot like they did last season, you never know. This, the Padres can get hot. Right. I like I, – I really start to like the Cardinals. Yeah, they right. Sh- the, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. They, they got crushed by the Rockies for whatever reason the last yeah. few days. But what they showed against the Yankees even before that on that little winning streak – they can be dangerous too if they figure some things out. Mm-hmm. They got a great back end of the bullpen with Hel- Helsley and, Helsley and Gallegos. Gallegos. Yeah. Yep. They can um, be very dangerous. I was just about to bring up a point about some. Oh, if you're a major league baseball team looking for a manager this offseason, how can the name Joe Girardi even cross your mind? How? How can it? The guy, it's not what you want. I mean, really, but. <laughs> I can't get away from that thing. Um, he gets fired. Bryce Harper is out for months, and this team is playing the best baseball they've played in years. a decade. Literally, a decade. yeah. How? It's impressive. And for half of this time, Castellanos was nowhere to be found. No, Kyle Schwarber. I think this season needs to be like studied. It's actually crazy. He's got, I, I've I've actually taken a look at his numbers. It's just, it's really weird. He's is he under two hundred yet? He's the last time I checked, he's like two hundred two. Well, he got hurt today. Actually, as a calf strain. Ah. Um, he the fact that this guy he's batting two twelve. He's batting two twelve now. Okay, he got a little hot streak. Thirty four homers. He's thirty four home runs. He has an eight hundred OPS. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. He's been good. You know, you he's. He's been a slightly above average player when you consider everything else about his game. But for them this season, when he did step up, it was massive. And now guys are playing. Listen, guys are playing well. They're hot. Real Muto has come back to being the guy that we know he is. And maybe not at the level, but I mean, recently he's been really hot and really good. And they're getting Gene Segura back. They let go of your boy, DD. The Yankees should absolutely hop on that right now. Sign him. That will fix every single one of your problems. Yeah. I, I promise. Sarcasm. Okay. According to every little kid on TikTok that misses mm-hmm. Didi Gregorius in the Yankees uniform, it'll you'll you'll win the World Series. You might as well just put the trophy yeah exactly box. start twenty eight, <laughs> start the parade. Close yeah, the put the put the yeah put the fences up for the parade. Didi back Yankees win easily, but impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get over to football, NL Cy Young, AL Cy Young. I think it's pretty easy. Verlander, Alcantara. Right. Yeah. MVP in – the MVP is easy, too. The, yeah, the hey, judge is – I mean, has ran away with it. I mean, it could get close again, but – I don't think it no will. No question him. And then, yeah, Goldschmidt. That's crazy. That it really is too easy. What's the other rookie of the year? Um, J-Rod. J Rod, he's hurt right now, but Michael Harris, him. it probably is Harris or or Strider, my boy Spencer Strider. Yeah. It's it's one how of the about Braves. we want to talk about you know rookies of the year, uh, Ian Anderson in Triple A. Yeah, he's brutal. He's yeah. brutal. Yeah, that's a big fall from you know I was high on him. I was big yeah. time on that guy. You I loved Ian Anderson. You were and ma- manager of the year. Uh, Buck in the NL and I even know in the AL. Who it was be? Boone. It was Boone. We had two New York is. guys. Tony Larusa. <laughs> Please. No. Uh. 
What's his face? Brandon, Brandon Hyde. Yeah. yeah. Look at him? the O's. Look at the O's. Good for them. I just but- love if you know if the Yankees were in last place and the O's were above them, I'd pissed. But the fact that it's they're above the Red Sox, I let's go O's, baby. Like I love it. Playoff spot. I mean, I think they're out of it yeah. now. So the Red Sox had not won a series against a American League East team until tonight because this was a makeup game. Oh, one night they played yeah. one game. It was a makeup from not a series, a series from before. So technically, it is a win, a well, series I, win. The are we first going, one. Are we going back to the other makeup games they did, or literally just from being one and zero? It's a series win. It, no, you got to go back. Okay. Like, so this game is supposed They're to be part two out of three. Of, yeah, so they, they got two out of three. So good for the Sox. And the O's, listen, impressive. Very impressive. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Who would my AL manager of the year be? I think Terry Francona, actually. I'd say Terry Francona. They're, I just looked at the standings. They're in first place mm-hmm. by a game and a half now. That's pretty crazy for a team that literally is not trying to win baseball. Right, exactly. And, like, it's not like the Orioles where you had young players and you're really not trying to win baseball games. Like, they're just at the beginning of not trying to win baseball games. That's even harder. And they're in first place. Yeah. All right. We got a lot of football. A couple of things of football to do. A weird, very weird story with Tom Brady. So we'll uh, we'll start with that when we come back after this. The SND Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Episode 71, we are back here with the Online Sports Talk. I'm Michael Merlo. I've got John Michael Masiri. A lot of baseball we got through. Now it's time for the NFL, the sport that never sleeps. New York City is the city that never sleeps, and the NFL really never sleeps. There's always things going on. Um, There's always football to be played. There's always practice to be had. There's always training to be had, Uh, except if you're Tom Brady. If you just said, you know what, I'm going to take like a week and a half, and I'm going to go, you know, do whatever I got to do. No, I wouldn't be joking about this if, Every report didn't come out saying everything's fine with Brady. It's just he's taking time. He needs to manage his, uh, you know, family and work life. And I just think it's pretty crazy that this is happening, especially now after, you know, he retired and now unretired. How long were you practicing that monologue for? No, not long. It actually was just all came to my is head. Is that on the fly? Wow, that's impressive. That's some serious improv. You should try Broadway. Uh, I don't know uh broadway isn't my thing okay yeah um yeah but listen stuff with tom brady i mean when you're 45 years old you're seven time super bowl champion and you know a surefire hall of famer basically considered the goat by just about everybody um i guess you could do things like this and whatever i'm not gonna get too deep into it Mm. like it's none of our business i don't know what the hell is going on i don't know if it's good if it's bad i mean supposedly it's not bad but who knows what's going on um i think the guy's been through enough training camps and you know he could show up on game day probably probably, and you know win a football game so all seriousness why does he have to be there like i mean that's genuinely what it comes down to and todd bowles is like yeah why do you have to be here you know he's he's staying in shape 
Right. And it's not like it's his first or second year with the team too and getting, you know, inclimated and building that chemistry. Like, they got it. They're good. And yeah, that, that that's really it's just interesting. This this is really similar to what Michael Strahan did was his last season. I, I heard about it today. Michael Strahan didn't show up at all to training camp. Practice, nothing. Didn't show up until about a week before the season started. Came back, had a good season. Giants win the Super Bowl. Giants so, veteran saying, you know what? I'm good. He, You know, he retired very briefly. He was probably like, all right, well, if I'm coming back, I'm going to give a crap about training camp. Right. Who knows, who knows what the hell's going on? Like th- that was me basically senior year of football. Like I didn't really have to practice. Like, it right. No, I don't. You know. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like you know what he's he's good enough already. Right. He like he's team. He's irrelevant enough. We don't even need him. To, right. Yeah. He's. You know. It would hurt the team if he continued to play it as well. Anyway. Exactly. All right. Let's um, before before we talk about whatever we're gonna talk about next. Yeah. I need you to to hear this, Antonio Brown. Yes, please. Okay. Please. Yes. Antonio Brown tweets, my biggest regret in my career doesn't involve my GM calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at that UPS driver. And it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jets stadium mid-game while throwing up deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what that was like for you all to see something like that. Like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. That's Antonio Brown, end quote, on his biggest regret. <laughs> you know, there's right, actually... Real quick, before you say anything, I don't know if this is, like, if I can get in trouble for saying this. Guy's going to be dead in, like, five years. I'm just going to throw that out. <laughs> I really, like, I'm sorry, but, like, he's insane. What are you even saying? I'm sorry if that's insensitive, but like, it's. I feel like this can't end well. The way this guy has gone. There's a lot of things wrong with this man. He obviously needs help. There was. I forget who he was. I think it was partner trying to partner with Kanye West, and they were trying to build up like a team to buy the Broncos. And I was when I saw this report a while ago, the Broncos were already sold, not to them. I was like. Why would they ever allow this? Yeah. What would this we, man is just could you imagine the 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 branding of the team and the jerseys and everything? No. No, I, I, I couldn't. You think Russell would still be there? No. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's ride. You know, but that's good. That good for good for A B. Good for A B. He must be very happy. I don't know. He's living his best life. Clearly, he doesn't have any regrets. So. But the oh my god, he's like the how narcissistic is he? That's crazy. Right. He compared himself to Jesus. Got to be some type of person to do that. Mm-hmm. Anywho, 
hopefully AB gets the help he needs. Um, Let's move on to another person that uh, I'm not going to go there, but somebody that is clearly (laughs) not in a good place right now. And that is Makai Becton. Yeah. Uh, Makai hasn't played much in the last two years. He played one game, got hurt week one of the 2021 season and now he's going to miss all of this season again with a knee injury and uh, just not what you want to start your career. Mm-hmm. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel bad for the guy because, you know, obviously he just – it's the guy's career and he can't stay on the field now. But – I don't. It's not like an "I told you so" or anything like that. But you know, the guy is, has has come in overweight. He's faced a lot of criticism, and rightfully so. I mean, he hasn't recovered from injuries the way he should, and I think it has a big deal to do with the shape that he hasn't stayed in. Um, but you know, what what good is it to just keep diving into that? It's an unfortunate situation, and you know, Joe Douglas. I'm I am still very pleased with the job he's done. I think he set us up well. I think he's done this right or with, you know, not moving all his cards at once, waiting. You know, we we just got Dwayne Brown who's going to be a very nice replacement for him. But he's going to have to deal with this for the rest of his career that you drafted a guy who rightfully so was a good prospect, but you knew he was a very big guy who had potential for injury and you know it, stuff like this could happen. He could get overweight. And you passed on Tristan Wirfs, who has been an all pro already in his career and no doubt is the best offensive lineman in that class. So right. it's just something you're going to have to deal with. Can they cover up for it? I think, like I said, the Dwayne Brown signing will help. Um, he's not the long-term answer. The guy's 37 years old, but it could be a worse situation. I still think the Jets are headed down the right path, but that that 2020 draft is and I and granted it's the guy's first draft. It's a COVID draft, you know, no no combine, obviously weird things with quarantine, but that draft is really a a bad draft now. I mean, you had Becton, who's entering bust territory, if not already as a bust, and then Mims. Not good. Not what you want. No, I mean, there's basically nobody producing from that draft class this season, yeah. which you obviously, again, not good at all. But it was his first draft. And like you said, that was the big COVID year was very difficult. So I don't know if he gets a pass. I mean, this draft class, which looks right now on paper to be a home run, that lo- looks unbelievable. If it is a home run, if he does hit on a lot of these picks, you'll forget about that. Exactly. You'll forget about the first draft. But the one thing that we're going to really realize with this team this season is the quarterback. You know, it's very rare that, you know, your young starting quarterback figures himself out in year three or four. That's what the giants are going through right now with Daniel Jones. Chances are 90% chance, 95% chances that the giants have a new quarterback. It's not Daniel Jones at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out about Zach Wilson after year two, we're going to have a legit answer on this guy. And you obviously need the offensive line to be where they thought it was going to be. George Fant at left tackle, you know, really good guard and center play. And obviously, Makai at right tackle. We'll see what happens. I still think it has the potential to be a good offensive line. But the weapons is what I love about this team. You have a great running game. You should with the backs you have. 
deep at wide receiver. Denzel Mims, by the way, I was listening to Brian Costello, one of the Jets reporters. Denzel Mims is so far down the depth chart, you don't even want to know who's ahead of him. Right. Jeff Smith's ahead of him. Yeah, I was about to say Jeff Smith. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's how you know it stands with Denzel Mims. But this team is good. They got weapons on the outside. They got tight ends, offensive line. There's no reason why Zach Wilson should not. I don't, I shouldn't say break out, but you should see. I guess yeah, you should say break out. Yeah, like you should have the answer. Yes, he should be your franchise quarterback. You right. should have that answer this season. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd say your three more is the deadline. Um but you want to see a big leap this season. I mean, you know, he's got the year of experience under the belt. He knows how to, you know, everything's not new to him anymore. He's been through it all. You know, second year with the new regime, new head coach, new coordinator, everything. Everything is is a lot less new to him. Um, and now you, like you said, upgrade massively uh, with weapons. I mean, think about all the additions. You got Brees Hall. You got Garrett Wilson. And then you look at the tight end room. It's a completely brand new tight end room. CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, and Jeremy Rucker. Those are three guys who could be, you know, obviously Conklin and Uzama have already showed that they could be very productive players in the league. And I think that uh, Jeremy Rucker could be very productive. So they are setting him up well for success. It's just now he's got to go out and perform. We're going to say he has, again, He's got everything lined up for him. We think. We think he's got everything lined up for him. It's a young team the Jets got, but uh, I think Elijah Moore, I think he's going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be the Jets' number one guy. And I really like Garrett Wilson, too, but I think Moore is going to be that guy. I'm just really excited to see the both of them play. Yeah, you should be. That's exciting stuff. You saw that little another... clip? You see that clip? The little oh, side on The sidearm? Yes. Yeah. This is a nice grab, nice run after the catch. Now, unfortunately, it's not going to be the best duo of wide receivers in your own town because Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson exist. But oh, you can have your fun now if, if you if you'd like. Uh, okay. Um, anyway, that's you know that's another thing is with Twitter and training camp. I, I might as well just unfollow all football accounts uh, and Jets accounts during training camp because. All the noise was in the first week of training camp. Oh, my God. Joe Flacco is outperforming Zach Wilson in training camp. The past week, all it's been is Zach Wilson, another impressive drive, threw a touchdown, 11 for 13. His only two incompletions were drops and this and that. And he's throwing touchdown after touchdown. And all of a sudden, everybody goes quiet. Like, it's not like Zach looks so good. It's just like, oh, never mind. Joe Flacco isn't the Jets starting quarterback. Let's just leave this whole quarterback situation alone now. Just annoying. We give the guy a little time. Yeah. What the hell? What is training camp for? I just watched Kyle Higashioka hit seven home runs in spring training, and the other day he just hit his seventh of the year. We're in August, so can we stop with how guys look in training camp and how they're performing? Because what's the point of training camp? To get ready for the season. Get the bad reps out now. IKF Isaiah Kainafalafa. Hit a home run in spring training. The goal is to get the kinks out. Yep. This is your goal. You want to, if you're going to look bad, you want to look bad here. So, yeah, right. ton of overreactions. And, but, and he's growing so far. He's he's getting more consistent. Like, that's what you want to see, progress. But now, 
there is a situation that I think we can take seriously, I think. And that is the New England Patriots, because according to a bunch of people, a bunch of reporters, the New England Patriots offense has looked so bad that they've been taken off the field. They've been criticized. They don't know who the play caller is, whether it's ready for this, Matt Patricia or Joe Judge. They don't know which one is calling plays. And on top of it, they just played Thursday night, a preseason game against the Giants, where you would think the Patriots offense, Mac Jones, they're playing in a preseason game. Young guys, you need to see what you got. They didn't even play. That's how worried they were about this offense. They didn't even play tonight. Well, what did we talk about with the New England Patriots this offseason? They didn't really do anything to improve their team. I mean, you look at the personnel, the weapons are dreadful. I mean, uh, you know, your running backs, James White just retired. They're talking about trading Damian Harris. I don't know if that still applies now that White retired, but Ramondre Stevenson supposedly is the number one back now. Um, you know, who else? You have J.J. Taylor in that backfield, so not a good backfield. And your receivers, there's like nobody. Jacoby Myers. Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, like – these are the guys that, and they go out and they draft Cole Strange out of, you know, Bumble F Mississippi or whatever the hell they, Chattanooga, wherever the hell they drafted him out of yep. in the first round. Yep. A guy nobody's ever heard of and was projected to go on day three. I keep seeing some rumors that Bill's done. I was just about to say that. I know it's hard to stop drinking the Patriots Kool-Aid and the Bill Belichick Kool-Aid. The guy is not you know, Jesus Christ walking on earth. He is human too. And he's really made some sketchy GM decisions over the past couple of years that have proven to not work out. So the guy, you know, I think he's a great football mind, a great strategist, but he doesn't have it all figured out right now. And it's like, Oh, you know, the Patriots are going to be this juggernaut this year. They're not. Well, I I'm not saying done in the sense of, Oh, he's not as good. I'm set like done. Like, Checked out. Firing. Yeah. Retiring, yes. Right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I, I agree. I don't think the Patriots are going to be that great this season. I think Miami will probably finish ahead of them. And you never know well, if the offense is playing I'm, that bad. I, I don't want to get stupid here. I really think the wow, Patriots have wow, a legit like shot of finishing last in the division. Wow. And, I, and I'm when we do our prediction show, I think I'm going to give the Jets maybe six or seven wins. I think the Patriots are right at that number. I do not wow. – I, I don't – I really don't think they're a good team. And if they go out there and win 10 or 11 games, make the playoffs, I'll sit here with pie on my face and admit that I was wrong. But just from the way I see it, I don't, I don't see them winning that many football games. You'll have to bow down to the god that is Bill Belichick. Yeah. All right. I think it's Final verdict. Like Brady needed – Belichick needed Brady more than Brady needed Belichick. Yes. I agree. How can you look at the way that the things, I mean, listen, the Bucks have a great roster and Brady went into a good situation, but how can you look at the way things have gone since they've broken up and say that Belichick, uh, Brady needs Belichick more? No, you're hundred percent right. He got the Super Bowl, and what Belichick did last season was impressive, but, um, I think this season is going to be the real teller. It's like, maybe it's one, one. Yeah. You know, but, 
don't know. This year will be the the deciding factor. And I I have that book about the breakup and you know the history of the Patriots. I didn't even finish yeah. it yet, and I got I got to finish it. I got to read more a little bit. But me yeah. too. Bad. That's gonna do it. I'm 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 exhausted. It was a long episode. Me too. Good episode though. Very very good episode. Solid episode. You're still, uh, you're will... still listening. Appreciate it. Yes, we will talk to you guys next time.